What's up, guys? Tired of your InsureTech solutions coming up short? We've seen tech services that aren't industry-specific, just some tech firm slapping an insurance sticker on it, but not really understanding our business. We need an agency-centric solution. Technology is built by insurance pros for insurance pros to streamline our processes. A great example of that is ePay Policy. All these guys do is insurance. That's their only focus. They are a great go-to service for ACH and digital credit card payment processing that helps you bind policies faster, and they seamlessly integrate with a ton of management systems. Head on over to ePayPolicy.com, check them out, and use the promo code IGPODCAST to get your first month free. I don't know that Elon Musk is working on a self-driving insurance agency, but until he does, we've got ePay policy. It's like being on autopilot. Flip the switch, lean back, take a nap. Let's go. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host and leader, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for iProtect Insurance and Financial Services, based out of Huntsville, Alabama. And before we get started on today's episode, please help me welcome, he is a six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama, parade first team All-American rivals, five-star recruit. He is a fantastic insurance agent and my friend. Ladies and gentlemen, please put your hands together and welcome the incomparable Mr. Bradley Flowers. How are you, Bradley? I'm great, Scott. How are you today? I am doing fantastic. Guys, I'm living in the real life version of the amazing race. For those of you that don't know, Two Fridays ago, I walked in the door after working about 10 hours a day, tired, just wanted to sit down, just wanted to eat dinner. I walk in the door, my wife, my 13-year-old son, both dressed out in full pads. She's wearing a Rydell helmet, shoulder pads, jersey, football pants with pads in and girdle. My son has on a Rydell Speedflex helmet, which is what Alabama, Auburn, Ohio State, Texas, all of them wear. He's got on nothing but a pair of shoulder pads. They're going to go out in the backyard and play tackle football. And I said, for the love of God, please don't do that. Somebody's going to get hurt, and the last thing I want to do is spend the night at the hospital. Fifteen minutes later, I was actually out there with them watching this display of unbelievable football skill she takes the ball he tackles her she's laying on the ground one foot's going one way the other foot's going the other way and she looks up at me and she says I broke it so she broke her fibula in half almost sticking through the skin and then shattered her tibula down where it connects to your ankle so we were in surgery about four days later, and I am playing both the caretaker, homemaker. I wash clothes now. I do dishes. Bradley has called me twice that I couldn't answer the phone because I was cooking dinner. I am teaching school now and running an insurance agency. So that's where I'm at today, guys. Bradley, that's, that's, that's where we are. My life has officially turned into a real-life episode of The Amazing Race. How long till the coach is going to have her back on the field? Uh, eight weeks. Eight weeks, and she can put she can put weight on her foot. Okay. She, hey, don't worry. She's fine. She's set it up, baby. So, did she hold on to the ball? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No fumble. I, she didn't, okay. didn't scream, didn't cry. I walked over. I said, Kay, let me help you up. And she said, I, I just broke my foot. 
I just broke my leg or something like that. Did he tackle her? What happened? Yeah, he tackled her from behind. He, but he wasn't far from her. He plays a dog position on defense for a middle school team here. He's about five foot six, 150 pounds. And it, it's like one of my doctors told me the other How day, guys. Uh, 13. Your 13 year old is almost as tall as me. Yes, that would be correct. Size 11 and a half shoe, hands almost as big as mine. He plays a dog position, but I, I had a, a doctor tell me the other day, he looked at me, I was telling him the story, and he said, you know, women's, the, the way their bones are structured, they're, they're really not made to play football. And I was like, well, no shit. Now I know that. I know why they don't play now. But, guys, I appreciate, uh, appreciate all the thoughts and prayers you guys have sent out to us. It's been a tough couple of weeks. I am uh, going on about four hours of sleep and running as fast as I can. I slid in here today to do this podcast, and I am honored and humbled to have our guest on the show. This is going to be a great podcast. I'm really looking forward to this. We have a guest on here today that has gone ahead and gotten on Twitter and just given the entire insurance industry some very thought-provoking questions that we are going to go over today and discuss. So, Without further ado, he was born, raised, and lives in Denison, Iowa. He is a graduate of Simpson College, and he is married to the beautiful Emily. They have three beautiful daughters, Haley, Alyssa, and Sarah, and he is the agency owner of the TAMS Agency. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my profound honor to introduce to you today, first-time guest on the Insurance Guys podcast, Mr. Todd TAMS. How are you, Todd? What an introduction. I'm fantastic. Yes. Thank you so much. That's the intro you've always wanted and needed in your life right there. More than I deserve. That's for sure. Let me, let me tell you something. As much estrogen as you have, what we need to do is me fly out there and we, I'll come home with you and I'll just bust open that door and say that. And then you walk in the house. If that was to happen in my house, um, you'd probably be next in line like the dog and everything else we have that's male to be castrated. <laughs> and <laughs> you'd fall in line real fast. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> hey, there's some, there's some creepy guy at our door, Mom. I'm the, funniest, the funniest thing ever was early insurance guys where nobody really kind of like had picked up on Scott's like humor yet. And we were on a podcast with Mike Stromso. And first time Mike had ever talked to us and Scott's like telling Mike that he's going to go to the unstoppable profit producer thing, his convention or whatever workshop. Scott's like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to stay with Mike. I'm, I'm going to stay with you. Like just invited himself over. And Mike was like, uh, he didn't even know what to say. Hey Todd, I said, Hey Mike, what's your wife going to do when she wakes up in the morning and I'm standing at your fridge and nothing but my undies drinking Orange juice out of the carton. Straight out of the carton. <laughs> Hopefully get you a glass. <laughs> yeah. Can I can I get you a glass, Scott? I'm I'm like cousin Eddie when I come stay with people. It is just they are so ready for me to leave by the time it's over with. And but I, I will say he's never stayed with me as many times as you've driven down here. I am not. I love your wife more than anything in this world, and I am not going to subject her to that because there is no telling what could happen. I'm not going to do that. If you come to my house, you can stay. And don't you don't need to bring any hair care products because with four women, we've got you covered. Absolutely. You've got it all. Todd, let's talk a little bit about Twitter. What transpired to give you the uh, whatever it was to start tweeting these 
very thought-provoking tweets that Bradley messaged me about four or five weeks ago, and he goes, you got to start following this guy. Well, and to give a little bit of backstory, if you're not on insurance Twitter, you need to get on insurance Twitter. Truth. And there's a lot of value dropped. And Todd had, had started posting some extremely thought-provoking tweets. And so I was like, and a lot of, a lot of agents are commenting on them on Twitter and off of Twitter. I, I told Scott, I was like, we got we to gotta get Todd on and we got we to gotta break these down. So, Todd, before we get into this, because I, I, we've got a bunch of them here to go through that I know these agents are going to be like, oh my gosh, yes. Give me about three minutes of jumping in my DeLorean and telling us how you got into industry and kind of bring us up to now. Sure thing. I was born in the insurance industry. Both of my mom and dad, they both came from insurance backgrounds, grew up in an office when I was younger left, sworn I never do insurance. In between jobs, came back and joined the family business, bought it 10 years later, and here I am. Really love the technical side of insurance, really love helping people. I'm thankful for where the industry has taken me, the connections that I've met, and the, the people that I've befriended. Yeah. Tell me about your agency. I love, I had somebody call me the other day, and we were, they were talking, and I was like, hey, they were huge podcast listeners, and I said, man, Every time I talk to somebody like you, I always want some feedback on what we can do better. And he, he said, I love it when you ask an agency owner to describe their agency and, you know, their people and get, get into some of that. So kind of, I'm going to close my eyes and you just tell me if I walked in your agency, like how many people do you have? What's your setup like there? Sure. So I'm the third owner of TAMS agency, third generation, been around almost 80 years now. And we've been in the same location since the early sixties. We remodeled our office probably 10 years ago and expanded, took everything back to the brick walls that, that you see behind me, 12 foot ceilings, gorgeous conference room. We have five people that work in this office right now. It was six a year ago before my dad passed away. Um, we're in rural rural Western Iowa town of 8,200. We are a blue collar packing plant town, farming economy, corn, beans, combines. They're all rolling right now. We have another secondary office in a town about 30 miles south where we have uh, three women that work down there. Most of what we do is commercial. Uh, We're probably 55% commercial, probably 25% personal lines, another 20% life and health. I can tell that your personality type, you're somebody that's, you're going to be very thorough. You're going to ask a lot of good questions. Are you real data driven? As much, I am very data driven just to make decisions and how we help our clients, what touch points we do, things like that. I think you have to be, you got to look at the data and follow it where it leads you. Right, right. Talk a little bit about and I don't want to go too deep on this because you have talked about this on, on two other podcasts that I know of. Talk a little bit about Direct Work Comp and, and what led you to start that project. So Direct Work Comp, I have loved Work Comp probably for 12, 13 years now. I mean, when you start out selling insurance, you kind of start out selling everything you can to pay the bills. After I got a few years into it, I found out that I really like workers' compensation. I don't really think people understand it the way that they should. I remember stumbling across ModMaster and finding a way to graphically represent to people how they could save money and what their claims were costing them. And that just kind of 
exploded into how we marketed commercial business after that. Um, probably similar to like a David Crothers, although he's on a whole nother level than, uh, than where I'm at. He's texting me right now. Is he? <laughs> we had a meeting today uh, for a conference that he and I are both speaking at alongside Hanley and Hanley uh, didn't show up because he was dealing with an issue and everybody's razzing on him today. Love Crothers. So that, as, as I, we were kind of talking about before the podcast got started here, I just wanted to find a better way to sell insurance and I wanted to find a better way to sell work comp mm. and the old way of sending everything in and, you know, waiting for your quote to come back to either be higher, declined or denied. Then you got to go back and negotiate with the carrier. I just thought we've got to find a better way. And so while, you know, Tam's agency is certainly our core business, our new tech startup is direct work comp. We partnered with um, Insured Mine with uh, Roshan to help us build all that out. And he, him and his team have been phenomenal to work with. And uh, then we partnered with uh, employers to build out the workers' compensation API with them. And just this month, we're up and running and live. So is this something ready that, that these 250,000 insurance agents around the world listening to this could be involved in? Is, is, is it something that you're... If my agency wanted to, to go through direct work comp, we, could we do that? I think we're a little early for that, but that's, there's certainly talks about that. I mean, the, the direct work comp flow and the direct to consumer model, there's not a whole lot of options out there for people. Right. And so I certainly think, I don't know if you've been through the flow, we've got it down to 13 questions. I mean, name, address, business, FEIN, payroll, and a couple questions, and you've got an instant determination, yes or no. Right. Are these hard bindable quotes or are these indications? How exactly does that work? It's a hard bindable quote. If you get a number back, that's the number. And yeah. do they bind it themselves or does that have to be pushed to the TAMS agency? They can bind it themselves. So they go through, they get a quote. Uh, if they like the quote, they click buy my policy, takes them to our payment processor. From there, they can either you know pay monthly, pay annual, and then we submit the bind order and Instantly, the account is created in the AMS and they can produce an instant certificate and away we go. Cool. That's and freaking cool. It sounds cool, but it's, it, took, uh, it took a couple of years to get there. What, what was that process like convincing, convincing a carrier to give you their API like that? Because we, I've recently had a carrier that gave me their API and I've actually had two now. It seemed like I had that conversation 50 times with 50 different carriers and then I two times in a row just happened to get the right guy or girl on the phone. Oh yeah, sure. Here you go. <laughs> yeah, here it is. It's like, here it is. Talk about that process a little bit, because I don't think that agents who have not had those conversations with carriers can appreciate the difficulty of that because typically you can't go to your carrier rep for something like that. At least in my experience, the carrier rep's going to say, what's an API? You have to start at the top down, and that's a that's an for me at least it's an extremely difficult process getting to the right person and then convincing them to even have a conversation with you, and then on top of that, convincing them to consider opening the API to give you the ability to pull off a project. So, to your point, who did who did you talk to for the APIs, or who did you build out with? As far as carrier goes, yeah. So the two carrier, or I'll tell you one, I can't tell you the second one, it's a secret. The first carrier is Neptune Flood, okay. which I'm not super passionate about, but 
uh, we were able to do a few cool things with some Facebook bots and stuff. And to be frank, how it happened is Scott and I did a podcast with the CEO. And as soon as we stopped pressing record, I said, Hey, will you give me your API? And that's how it happened. Very cool. Very cool. So when I knew what I, that I wanted to build out a direct to consumer model, I mean, I talked to a number of workers' compensation carriers. Some we had meetings, some meetings went so far off the rails. I mean, we, why would you even want to do this? Or we don't even know what you're talking about. Um, a lot of unsuccessful meetings and it's no different than insurance knocking on doors and getting told no. <laughs> and it's interesting enough, we, uh, employers told me no. They said, no, we're not interested. And I was kind of persistent because I knew that they were on the forefront of what they were doing with their digital distribution model. And I begged and pleaded for a meeting. And I finally, a nice lady who works there named Diantha Kelly gave me your time. And after that, we wrote up a plan and away we went. But uh, it was not a yes at the first meeting at all. All right. Hey, guys, it's time to drop the bomb on some of these questions. <laughs> Todd, Bradley, are you ready? I'm ready. Insurance agents from around the world. I'm going to go through some of these thought-provoking tweets that Todd has thrown out there to the insurance industry. Number one, the gap between online underwriting questions and what agents ask is wider than the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Give us where your mindset was during that tweet and what provoked it. Oh, I can also leaving out things that can get you and us sued. Hey, I'm with you. You know, I've become more frustrated since the start of COVID and how increasingly difficult underwriting has, has gotten. I got a call the other day and guy has a couple semis, needs a quote. You know, he's with a, with a, another carrier and they're, they're looking a little too hard on, on maybe the driving record of one of his drivers. And so you go out to like an Ask Kodiak, you find out who's going to write this type of trucking risk. And I'm plugging in this quote for, for two semis. And just the, the questions that I asked this individual, you know, trucks, what are you hauling? How far are you going? Uh, we looked at the safer report and that's basically it. And then I get into the underwriting questions of a carrier. And they're asking me things like, has this, has this prospect been insured with our company before? How, how am I supposed to know that? Right. And why don't you already know that as a carrier? <laughs> That's, that's kind of where my mind's at also. Um, does the applicant have a driver safety program? We'll need a copy of it. Yeah, I, I printed this off right here. Has the applicant filed bankruptcy in the last 10 years? And I'm just thinking, all I want to do is find out if we're competitive. Right. If like, what is the number? And then we can go forward through the underwriting process. And by the time I've gone through this quote, it's taken 25 minutes to get the decline because I probably answered a question the wrong way. And I just thought to myself, what underwriters are looking for and the information that they're getting and what I'm entering in on a website or what my staff is entering in on a website is not at all what we just asked that prospect that called into the office. And so I just think there's this huge disconnect between what carriers are looking for. And I also think there's a huge disconnect on what, the, what information the carriers are getting. You know, they're asking us for stuff that I think a lot of people in order to get the quote or just putting in data. Yeah. Well, and two, I think, and not, not to bang the Tarmica drum any harder, but that's where tools like Tarmica could come in in handy from a data standpoint, because if 
you know, we've got five carriers on Tarmica right now. And there's one carrier in particular that every time I get done with the quote, I have to answer extra questions for that carrier. Well, if these other four people that are, or four carriers that are very comparable to you aren't asking those questions, A, why are you asking it? And B, why are they able to ask and get a more accurate rate without asking those questions? That's exactly what I want to know. Bradley and I had an hour long conversation about some of this last night. And I told him, if you ever get an underwriter in commercial insurance, that'll answer a phone call, answer an email, send you updates on where you are in the quote process. It's literally like finding a unicorn. It's almost impossible to get anything you know, like that. I don't even mind being told no from time to time, unless every time I call, you just say no as soon as you answer the phone. But just to have somebody that'll answer the phone, answer an email, hey, here's where we are in the quote process. My God, I wouldn't know what to do if I had me about four or five of those. I have a an email host I've been using called Superhuman. This is not an ad for them. Basically, I'm using my Gmail, but I'm using Superhuman. One of its features, it's actually a very controversial feature, is it tells you when the person opened your email, okay. similar to how a marketing email would, but this is day-to-day email. And it also tells you how many times and what time they opened it. It used to give you their IP address and their GPS coordinates. They cut that out because they got really, uh, got a lot of heat for it. But that comes in handy big time with some of these underwriters. And, and in fact, I've actually sort of dropped a few uh, wholesale brokers or at least stopped using them because I'll send information with plenty of time. And then I see the email was opened four days later and they're like, Oh, we've got to have this sooner. Like we, my email was sitting in your inbox for four days and I've sent them the screenshot and all of a sudden the attitude changes really fast. Next question, uh, not question statement. I love these so much <laughs> from Todd Tams on Twitter which, by the way, if you want to follow him, is at Todd, T-O-D-D-J-T-H-A-M-S. Here's the next one. Not sure what is worse, the slowdown in business because of COVID or the lack of carriers wanting to write anything because of COVID. It's too easy to say no. (laughs) (laughs) I probably didn't make any friends with underwriters when I posted that. I don't, I don't think they follow you, Todd. I'm I think, sorry I think that, that speaks to a bigger issue, too. I think you have a lot of people in businesses that are using COVID as an excuse to be average or less than average. You talk about having an underwriter that picks up the phone. I would prefer to use, have carriers use actual data to make an underwriting decision. Mm. I mean, I think there's so much underwriter prejudice. Maybe one time they got burned on an account or... They, they, they don't want to write this because of one thing happened and then they got reprimanded by management that even if you're bringing a best in class account to them and they've been burned, they, they won't write that. And so I'd really like just to, it's I human. get frustrated when, you, when I you add that bugged. human element, you're going to have things are not going to be perfect. Yeah. hundred percent. I just, I, I want to get, I want to get to the underwriting questions and get to the quote as fast as, as fast as humanly possible. And if the data says it's good, great. I don't know. Right now, it just feels like, I, and I don't know what you guys are seeing in, in your neck of the woods, but it seems like all of our clients or all the prospects that we're bumping into are doing this 
they could be 90% fantastic, but whatever the 10% that they're doing does not meet some personal underwriting guideline. And the, the guidelines, which I thought were guidelines are now becoming hard and fast rules right. and reasons to decline. I can tell you what I'm seeing. Tell me. All the four or five major carriers that we represent, the big national brand carriers, I can get all four of the marketing reps on the phone and they'll tell me the exact same risk <laughs> that the other three want is exactly what they want. So it's like, I've got four major carriers that everybody's heard of and I'll be down if they don't want the exact same business. And I'm like, guys, there's, there's only so many dentist offices and barber shops that we can write. They call it main street. We yeah. want the main street stuff. And I'm like, okay, okay guys. Yep. All right, whatever. Here we, we had go. one of our one of our personal lines carriers recently that changed their underwriting guidelines and went from being a a carrier that we would put a lot of our older homes with to to they they were basically cutting that part out. And I was talking to the rep, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, we we really want to want to shift towards you know the newer homes, gold fortified, hip roof, brick house. That's kind of our, our that's kind of our jam now. I'm like, oh, great, just like everybody else." Yeah. Great. You want exactly what everybody else is. Everybody else want. You want you want houses that there are going to be no claims on. That's what you want. It's the exact same with homes. They all want. You know, if you got perfect credit, a 2018 built home, man, they are all over you. They want it worse than anything in the world. But God forbid you bring them something outside the box or somebody whose credit score got deemed because he got they got a divorce. They don't want that. So, next question, answer. I mean, statement. Excuse me. Here we go. This is from Todd Tams, by the way, but ladies and gentlemen, can we as an industry just agree to put replacement cost on a roof that's 15 years or newer and ACV on anything older than that and just build that into their policy form so we don't have to ask for this information on every single quote? My God, Todd, you need to run for president. <laughs> Hey, he might have a shot after the other night. Exactly. Guys, I, I don't even know what to say to that. that. That's one of those that's so true that I, I've asked this question myself. I've got carriers where they have all these subsurface roof endorsements. And if you want replacement costs, we've got to have a tight invoice from the roofer that did the work 10 years ago and i'm like oh my gosh this is where this is what we've come to now what's your thoughts todd i think we need to stop asking those underwriting questions i don't think they make any difference i think every roof claim that we have comes from a weather event yeah i think we're we're once again it goes back to that data they're asking us things like when was the plumbing updated well which plumbing what plumbing are you talking about like the faucets the hot water heater, the pipes yeah. inside. Do you know how many plumbing claims we have? Hardly any. I'll say maybe one or two. And the, the plumbing updates have nothing to do with it. It's either a toilet malfunctioning or somebody being gone and a kid accidentally leaving it running and then it causes damage. Nothing to do with updates. Right. Same thing with roof. Same thing with HVAC. And I really think of carriers, I mean, just look at their data. Look at the, we had a derecho that, that happened in Iowa, wind damage ruined everything. The updates on that house don't make any difference. If it's old, they're going to ACV it. If it's new, they're going to replace it. 
you put it in as part of the replacement cost estimator. Whether the roof is metal or asphalt does not make a huge difference in terms, I mean, the rates being collected in the value of the structure, not the type of roof that it is. Well, hey, here's your next, here's your next tweet that I'm going to bring up that goes, it goes right in line with what you're talking about right now. By the way, folks, this is from Todd Tams. If home insurance underwriting was applied to auto insurance, we'd be asking when they last rotated their tires, put on new brakes, and had an oil change. <laughs> was that yesterday you tweeted that? <laughs> oh, I love it so much. <laughs> I've been so when I saw that, I was kind of like, huh, it does make sense. <laughs> That's it. That's exactly what he's talking about right now. Bradley, you he, just got 652 claims down on the coast from Hurricane Sally. Have you experienced some of these from the claim side where somebody thought they had replacement costs and they had ACV, and I don't know why y'all are only paying $3,000 on my roof? We've gotten a little bit of that. You know, we're pretty good about educating our customers on the front end. We're also really good about documenting that educational process. And then additionally, we're also very good at dealing with an upset customer. But yeah, you get a little bit of what we call hurricane deductible amnesia. Mm. We've dealt with a little bit of that. Fortunately, we've gotten extremely lucky where most of the hard hit areas were some of our better insured homes in terms of the policy they had. But yeah, absolutely. And it makes me wonder too, back to the plumbing thing, the fact that it's not specific, is it purposely vague that way if let's say that they updated the hot water heater and the toilets and the sinks and an agent marks yes, and then there's a claim and the adjuster or the carrier or the underwriter says, no, we were talking about a full plumbing replacement. We weren't talking about just one thing. Is it purposely vague to almost shift the liability onto the agent? You know, it makes me wonder. Brad, has that ever been a question that's popped up in all of your years? In terms of claims? Yeah. Nah. Has anyone ever called you and said, hey, what did you mean when you checked this box on? Was the plumbing updated? No, has not. So here's my question, Todd. Let's, let me ask the million dollar question. What you posed in that tweet was seems rational, reasonable. Why why can't carriers come to some standardization across the board where, you know, roofs 15 years or newer, we're going to give you replacement costs. If it's older, we're going to give you ACV. Why, why can't that happen? Your guess is as good as mine. I think it can happen, and I think it should happen. Yeah. I, I don't think anybody questions when they have a car accident and the adjuster says, hey, uh, we noticed your tires, which are a wearable item, have 35% of their life on them. So mm. we're only going to pay for 35% of the life. Mm. That's expected. If you have hail damage to the hood of your car, they pay to fix the hood of the car. Roofs are depreciable, or not depreciable, but they're a wearable item. They don't last forever. The expectation, I think, either by the insured or even by the carrier on a 40-year-old roof, we're not going to pay the replacement cost of that. At some point, it just needs to automatically convert over. And I think at some point we need to stop asking for it. And I think that we only need to pay for the depreciable wear on that roof when it's a wind or hail claim. I mean, if you have a total house fire, pay out the total loss and move on. Right. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about hail damage to roofs and they need a new roof and it's 30 years old. I don't know that they should get those replaced at 100%. From the other side of it, if a customer or client takes out an insurance policy, there's a point 
zero 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 one percent chance they're actually going to look at their policy, right? The agent, if they're if they're having to put that home because of the age of the roof on ACV, is more than likely not going to spend a whole lot of time going through that and going, hey, by the way, here's what we're going to pay you out on this roof if something happens. You understand that, right? They're not probably doing a lot of that. The client who has not read their insurance policy, because none of them do, isn't really caring about that because they just got a cheaper rate until the claim happens. And then we all got a big problem because then they're jumping up and down going, well, why are y'all only paying for $3,000 of a $10,000 roof? They're acting like that conversation was never even had, which maybe it was, maybe it wasn't. I just see so many problems the way it's done today. And all of it leads to a pissed off customer. So I have a couple of things that I've learned that I'll share with you because you're, you're right. I think our whole model in the insurance industry leads to upset customers because of the differences in carriers and the differences in policy forms. Simple things like, why do we pay for hail damage to a vehicle? We will pay for hail damage to a home and gutters and siding, but then we move over to the commercial side of things and that's excluded. Right. I mean, wh why is that a thing? The other day we have a guy that's moved his business into a detached structure on his house. That's one of the tweets. That's one of the tweets. Yes. Hail damage goes through and we get a call from the, the adjuster that says, I'm not going to pay hail on that detached structure because they're running a business out of there. And I'm the kind of guy that likes to, let's download the policy, look in, and I'm going to find a way to find coverage if at all possible. Right. And what, what's amazing to me in that carrier's form, if he had that exact same office in his house, hail's covered. Right. But suddenly you put that exact same exposure in a detached structure, which did not even cause the loss. It was hail. It was, you know, weather related. And that loss is excluded. Right. And I said to this claims adjuster, I said, so if you have your claims adjusting office in a detached garage for the carrier that you work with right now, because you're working from home and a loss happens like a hail event, you're telling me you're going to deny those. And he said, based on the way our policy form reads, that's exactly what's going to happen. And I said, buddy, we've got a lot of people working from home right now in the insurance industry, or maybe working in that detached garage or somewhere like that, that the policy form, if that's what we have today, it needs to be discontinued and fixed going forward. Because so many people are working from home right now. Out of curiosity, Todd, how do you convey that? How did you convey that to your customer? What was your... I guess attitude would be the word. How, to, how did you handle that? Fortunately for us, the hail damage did not, there was not enough hail damage to file a claim on the roof of the detached structure. And so we're just going to, to comply with that carrier who underwriting knew about it when it went through, but we don't believe that that was documented appropriately. We'll just convert that over and move it onto his business policy and eliminate that claim from going forward. That's how we get a bad rap. Yep. Yep. And I advocated strongly to this claims adjuster. I said, you know, I'm going to have to think long and hard about our relationship. If this is the carrier that will deny a hail claim because of something like this, that had nothing to do with the actual claim. And if you'd have paid it out on the home, you should have paid it out on the separate structure. Of course, he said, my job is doing, you know, to follow the policy, not make interpretations. And then you right. get into the whole argument of, 
Yep. Well, you can't set precedent and yeah, you can, yeah. you do it all the time. It's not a precedent, it's a one-off. Sometimes you can make an accommodation. We hear it all the time in underwriting, right? Where we'll make an accommodation on this and let it go through. Yep. What we found is in those situations where, and, I, and I've done this for a few years, and obviously this has come in handy a little bit during this catastrophe, but what we found is when, and I tell clients this, look, insurance companies do dumb things. And what we found is that when insurance companies do dumb things, we convey to the customer that we think it's as dumb as they do. And it at least takes maybe possibly a little bit of their anger off of us. Unfortunately, I know that is a, that's the way it always has been attitude. And I hate that, but sometimes you're put in those situations where a carrier does something stupid and there's nothing you can do about it. That's the whole reason why you stop using a carrier as an agent. And I talk about this all the time. When that claim happens, they didn't buy insurance from travelers or Safeco or Nationwide or whoever. They bought insurance from Todd and Scott and Bradley. And you want to talk about displaced anger when that adjuster comes out there and says, nope, not covered. Sorry. The next phone call they're making is to Scott or Todd or Bradley to chew some ass and it leaves us in this place where you get too many of those with any one carrier. After a while, you get tired of getting your damn ass chewed and told what a crook you are. Yep. And so then you go, you know what? We're done. We're not putting any more, any, any more business with this carrier. Because every time we do, and an adjuster goes out there and something gets denied, it, I'm getting the phone call. Mm-hmm. We've got a few of those right now. Yeah. We haven't had any denied, but we just aren't happy with how they're going. And if there's one problem we have, it's that we have too many carriers. I'm okay with consolidating a little bit. And there's been some that surprised us too during this catastrophe. Hands down, the carrier that's handled things the best and the most uh, efficient is a Lloyd's wholesaler. Wow. Which traditionally, I I think a lot of it's untrue, but Lloyd's doesn't have the greatest reputation for handling things in an efficient manner. They've been phenomenal, and it's 100% the race car driver, not the race car. Uh, the owner of that company is very forward-thinking and is a younger guy and is on top of things. So they've been great. Bradley, we, we had one call the other day with a home claim. Phone rings. Ring, 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 ring. One of my girls answers the phone. Great day at I Protect Insurance. How can I help you? And his first words out of his mouth was, I've got a roof claim, and if you don't pay it, I'm going to hire an attorney. That was the very first <laughs> sentence out of his mouth. Wow. Sentence number one was that sentence. Did you refer him over to Aaron Robertson? <laughs> no. So I'm going to read this tweet just in case I don't want Scott to end the episode because I think you may miss this one. And I hate to interrupt this therapy session, but today starts the wall of no's. That was my next one. Okay, go ahead, Scott. You can read it. Today's starts the wall of no's. We are keeping track of how many times our great carrier partners tell us no. Probably at least 30 in this last week. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like the opposite of what Rocket Referrals is doing. Your Rocket Referrals has the hero wall with all the, the, the agency logos on it. Yeah. Todd, would you like to expand on your tweet? (laughs) I'm laughing because this is is so funny. But my staff has been so fired up. 
with all the time and effort we put into quoting lately and just getting nowhere and, you know, appealing to the underwriter or the marketing rep or trying to write business. And it's what we hear sometimes from underwriting. I mean, just the reasons to not write business just kind of makes you shake your head. Like what's going on over there. Yeah. And I can tell that my staff was frustrated. I was frustrated and it was making us kind of angry. And so I've got this big, I don't know, it's probably six foot, maybe it's a four by six board. And we taped it off. We taped the logo of every one of our carriers and just started putting sticky notes on it. And making that, we had so much fun. We were laughing and like, oh, remember all the time I spent on this one? And it, it kind of turned into this positive therapy for us. Right. And for about a day and a half, it sat in the hallway of our office. Like getting it off your chest kind of. Yes. Like. Yes. I was like, you know, we probably shouldn't leave it in the hallway because people might, when customers come in, might see What that. is that? <laughs> so it's, it's actually sitting in my office right now. But, you know, I think this is going to be a pretty big discussion point when we talk to carriers and, you know, they want business or they talk about growth metrics and goals and how we're sending them stuff and they're just finding a reason not to write it rather than finding a reason to write it. Well, about the only thing you can do. It's just start writing landscapers and barbershops. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the landscaper so better not have a cherry picker. But he bet, yeah, if he's got a cherry picker, you are screwed. Yeah, you know, there's probably there's like four business classes that they all want right now. <laughs> I've I've thought about doing something similar, Todd. With uh, you, you familiar with Ryan Serhant? No, he's uh probably the number one real estate broker in New York got a TV show, all that stuff. He has a, a wall in his office that they took. There was one year where they sold like however many billions of dollars in real estate. And he took all the commission checks that they received after they deposited them and glued them to the wall and then painted it over with like a sealant. So it was like this cool, like mural kind of thing. You can't really do that in insurance. I think, I think real estate's a little bit different I've thought about doing something similar to that with being that I'm a startup agency printing off the emails from all the carrier reps denying my appointments and doing a mural or something like that that would be cool to look, you know what I mean? Something of that nature. And then on top of that, looking back and seeing which ones eventually did appoint us, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Kind of look back and say, remember where I was and here I am now. I like that. Well, let's, let's leave this podcast today on a positive note, guys. Positive note from Scott. There's always going to be a place to put business. You've just got to uh, redirect your fire and go in a different direction and figure out through the course and process of trying to put with carriers that you have traditionally been able to put business with figure out what they don't want, and then go figure out who wants it. There's always somebody out there that and wants it. May not be at the price you want your client wants it at, but there's somebody that wants it. And I think the purpose of this too is like kind of what I want people to get out of this is like it's okay to ask these questions. It's okay to ask why are things that way when it doesn't make any sense? You know, I think that's, that's one thing that I like about spending time outside of the insurance industry because when you come back in, you're like, why the hell do we do that that way? Ask your carriers, why are we doing this like this? This makes no sense. I, I couldn't agree with you more.
The problem with asking carriers that, though, is that's, like, I think, to them, like nails on a chalkboard. They that's, don't that should be an indication questions. that we should do it more. Right. Well, you know, if we go back to the beginning of our conversation where we talked about putting the customer first, that's what we're talking about with asking these questions. Why wouldn't you pay that hail claim on the roof? Why wouldn't you maybe revise some of your underwriting questions to help you make a better underwriting decision in terms of the pricing and the, the placeability of that business? I mean, if we just put them first and figure out a way to streamline it and make it as simple as possible, I think we'll have a lot more time on our day to write business and write good business and we'll have a much better relationship with our carriers. That is the perfect place to end this podcast. Insurance agents from around the world, let me tell you what you just heard for the last hour. Markets are hardening up. Cycle of insurance has gone into the underwriting cycle, especially on yep. commercial insurance and to some degree personal lines. It's hardening up, guys. You're going to have to work harder. You're going to have to get more creative. You're going to have to think outside the box if you're going to be successful in the industry right now. It is time to start evaluating all of your carriers, what they want, what they'll take, and then figuring out what plan B is out there because you need to have a plan B on where you're going to take this business. Where you might have taken it six months ago to a year ago may not be where you're going to take it tomorrow. So, uh, Todd, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Guys, as I always say, rewards come from action, not discussion. You know, there's, there's, there's different ways to get over, under, around, and through a wall, but stopping is not an option. The reason you cannot stop is because you've got a wife at home, husband at home, you've got parents that need help, you've got kids to buy football helmets for and put money in their college savings account. So you're going to have to keep writing business as difficult as it may be. We've talked about a lot of different things and we've joked around today, but I'm serious. You need to figure out what your plan B's are and get your ass out there and go write some business. Write good business for the companies that you represent and write good business for the agencies that you represent. Bradley Flowers, I love you. Thanks, man. Thanks, Todd. Todd, I love you too, brother. Hey, call me sometime. Let's talk. We, we can have another bitch session. Thanks so much, Scott. Thanks so much, Bradley. It's been an honor. See you guys. Take care. You are listening to the Insurance Guys podcast, and we'll see you back here real soon. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, Go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.